The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. We're at Nate Tech Podcast, back in the house. I think it's been like uh, a while since we podcasted last. Um, at least two weeks, if not more than that. It was Christmas and New Year's, so get off our back. But we are back in the office. We are about to start editing season, also known as editing hell. And I say that with the not with disdain as much as it's a really tough couple of months for us. Ryer got to experience, you didn't get to experience the full, yeah, you did. Well, not as much as this year. You got to experience a pretty good editing run last year. This year is going to be better, knock on wood, because we have. Why didn't I experience a full editing run last year? Well, because we only had one show. This year we're doing two shows and all the other stuff. So You're telling me I. I edited for oh, old blue stem. Okay, yeah, you got a pretty good. I was about okay, to say, all right. I, well, what what was I doing if I was not editing the entire time? This is true. So okay, so yeah, you did. So Clay hasn't gotten to experience it yet. I was about to say. So this year, essentially, what this podcast is about: twenty twenty recap, twenty twenty one outlook, and we have no notes, so um, we're winging this, uh, which uh, apparently. Some of you guys like it when we wing it. Uh, essentially, we are getting ready to start editing everything that happened in 2020. And 2020 was, for most people, a really rough year. For us, it was, I mean, we had some stuff canceled. Like Nebraska got canceled because of COVID for turkeys. A lot of um, Canada trips. A lot of Canada trips. So, at the end of the day, did we, like, have some stuff mess up? Yeah, we had one trip messed up with Red Arrow with where Clay apparently got exposed, so we pushed that off, and then we moved dates around. So, overall, it wasn't a huge impact on us in terms of, like, clients and business. It's been the best year ever. Um, And we've all gotten to do and go and see and meet people and do some really cool stuff. You know, we kind of talked about our favorite hunts, but... You know, 2020 was a year of, for me anyway, was a year of learning, growing in the business and figuring out what we do well, what we don't do well, and what we need to do going forward and some of the key pieces and in terms of business and production that we're missing. And, uh, you know, I, and I've talked to Ryer about this and Clay and my wife and thought about it more than I probably should have, but... Like right now, we're really great in a couple of places. We've got some great freelance guys that we work with. We've obviously got us in in house that are really solid that I'm really happy about. We've got great graphics guys, great graphic designers, all those things lined up. Like I couldn't be more happy with the team that's surrounding us right now. I think there's two things that we're kind of missing that would put us over the top that would really help us So because – Right now, a lot of the social media stuff is handled by uh, by Ryer. 
and very little by me just because I don't like it <laughs> and I'm not good at it and I don't have the uh, I don't take the time to do it right. So Ryers handle a lot of that, but Ryer is not best suited for that. He's better suited producing and editing. That's what he's better at. And technically that's what he's his value is there more. So what we're needing, I think, in some sort of role, whether that's a contract basis, whether that's a you know, a strategic partnership, whatever it may be, is we need some help on the social media management side because we're doing some of that now and we're doing more and more of it, honestly, accidentally. Mm-hmm. And we need help internally with Copeland Creative and Redneck Tech and some other things because we want to grow those platforms, but it's not something that we put a lot of time and effort into, even though we probably should because we don't have the time. But I think if we could find somebody that could help us on the social media side with the analytics and scheduling and all the stuff that we don't have time for, really, and they could literally just call us and say, hey, I need this asset. We send it to them, and they do all the rest of the work. That would be great. And then I think if we had a full-time editor, um, we'd be a rocket ship. So that's kind of my goals going forward is trying to add those two things to our team. Um, and I know we've talked about it, and we talked about adding productions, uh, Adobe Productions. We actually went into that a little bit today, and mm-hmm. editing on a team, the server is going to change the game for us. So – there's a lot of things that are kind of falling into place that are going to make us more efficient, that are going to make us better. Um, I'm looking at all the Huntmaster stuff today, and I'm trying to get my head wrapped around what goes where, and I'm not there yet. Um, I've got to start editing this reel that's due by the 15th, so I've got 11 days. Um, and it's I haven't even really started just because I haven't got my head wrapped around it. And and, and, and I said this today, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around a project that big with that much footage over that long of a time and tell one concise cool story with cool music. And, I mean, we've got some beautiful epic stuff this year. So, you know, there's not going to be any shortage of cinematic footage. But putting that all into essentially a two-minute trailer, it's really hard to do because, first of all, you got to watch everything. Then you got to wrap your head around what everything is and then kind of conceptualize an idea and then kind of go from there. But, you know, we've also got a couple new little projects that we've got coming up. Um, Clay's going with Dawkey to do a deer hunt unless something happens. It's not confirmed yet, but probably going to happen. We've got a, a new concept show that we're going to be doing. We're shooting a lion hunt in February. And then we've got more stuff to do with Dudley into this month. Just a lot of stuff, you know. What's... Uh, Kind of what's your takeaway, I guess, you know, Ryer from 2020? Like, what's the biggest thing that stood out to you? Kind of a like a 10,000-foot view of what the year was, learned, good, bad, ugly, all that good jazz. Um, Well, I guess what – are we just going to contain it to 2020? It doesn't matter. I mean, we're I kind of wrap my – the last – I basically wrap hunting season in – with the rest of 2020 for me. So, cause I got here in 2019, the very end of 2019 in August, August 22nd. Um, and then I went on the, you know, did a full hunting season, which I had not done before. And then did, you know, basically a trade show season, which I had not done before. Um, and then a full editing season, which again, I had not done before. So for me, um, 
So you lost your virginity this last year. And a yeah, half. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got thrown into the fire, and I'm still alive. So, <laughs> hey, I'm doing pretty good. Um, for me, I would say that cumulatively, all three of those things, it was just kind of a lot of growth and figuring out. I was drinking through a fire hose. Yeah, trying to figure out how to how to handle that workload, how to kind of maintain a kind of your creativity and trying to figure out how to, I mean, um, shoot at a higher level and edit at a higher level, uh, and edit faster. And so, you know, I guess you could go, you could start all the way back to really the first full hunting season. And that was just me really figuring out and getting used to, being on the road for weeks at a time, um, moving from place to place, project to project, shoot to shoot, and making sure I was getting all of the things that I needed to get and staying on top of everything, figuring out how to travel, pack, and work efficiently. Your favorite thing, pack. Yep, pack and unpack, pack and unpack, pack and unpack. So we got really good at that. And just really um, figuring out how to learn to live life on the road basically mm-hmm. yeah um and then you know trade shows were cool uh i have never been really to it i had been to ata one time before um but i had never it was more in a capacity where we were trying to uh sell our concept to sponsors i had never been there really like in the capacity where that we were in last year which was just kind of go shake hands, uh, say hey to everybody, uh, hang out, meet with people. Uh, We had a a couple of, yeah, yeah, networking. Um, And, you know, last year I got to hang out with uh, you the whole time and really uh, see how that all worked. So that was fun. I had a great time at ATA. I wasn't even there. (coughs) Huh? It's like I wasn't even there. You were there too. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, Clay. Gosh. (laughs) Just trying to tell a story here. Just trying to really bring th- people through everything. <laughs> um, so that was fun. And then uh, I went and we did, was it, did we hunt? I feel like we hunted Oklahoma. And Chandy- oh, right after ATA. Yeah. We, we literally left ATA and went to there. It went Oklahoma, I went Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Dudley. Well, went ATA, Oklahoma, Dudley. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, we went ATA was in Indianapolis. Oh, the the one Oklahoma deer trip I'm thinking of was in the that was fall. in November. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, and that was 2019. Yeah, you're yeah, way I off. I was way off. Yeah, I don't know why it was cold. That's probably why I was thinking it. Yeah, but anyway, so we went directly from ATA right to Blue Stem, and that was I think the first time I had ever really shot with other people. Like I had never really filmed a hunt. Mm-hmm. with other people before um and that was the biggest project i had worked on to date and so um you know i got to really experience what that was like uh what maybe a higher production value project with more shooters and more planning and more moving pieces was like uh and then i went to dudley's and worked on the uh, bow release video, the NTN, 
And that was really the first time that I had done anything like that, uh, like a full product release, uh, full video, putting together a library of assets for it, um, and doing it on Dudley's timeline, <laughs> which is always a crash course in yeah. speed. Yes. Um, and that one, I you know, we got to I got to mess with lighting and and really do something super cool with that. So, uh, you know, again, another first. And then... Uh, I didn't realize how many firsts. Yeah, I didn't... Yeah. Never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I came back, and then it was editing Blue Stem, which was a solid, what, two months? Three months yeah. almost of editing Blue Stem. Yeah. And, I mean, that was, for me, uh, a huge growth and learning experience. Um, I posted about it the other day when I shared up the uh, the teaser for it on on my page. Um, you know, I had not worked on a project like that, something that was more documentary style, something that was less of a hunt and more of a documentary, more of a piece covering like the guides and the hashtag guide life. Um, I never worked or edited a project with that much footage, that many assets. Yeah. Um, you know, covering a scope of things. And so that was uh, a big, I think that really was probably um, a big project of growth for me, a lot yeah. of learning, um, a lot of beating my head against a desk and trying to, I learned a lot about what Premiere cannot do. <laughs> in that project yeah um but and i also from that project really learned that i l love that mm -hmm. i uh you know i really through that project kind of found that i really but enjoy it, but is that second what is it Renella calls is the second degree enjoyment it's like you hate it when you're doing it but do you like it when you're done yeah i mean to me it's kind of a little bit of both and I guess that's just because I know how that is. Mm -hmm. um, like from cycling, I kind of understand like things suck in the moment, but you kind of also have fun doing it. Mm -hmm. You embrace and enjoy the suck. And then afterwards you're like, okay, that was fun. Um, and yeah, it was definitely very frustrating. It was really mentally challenging. Um, certainly really mentally exhausting, but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the challenge of putting something together and kind of being given the reins and the time and the opportunity to really dial something in like that. Yeah. To really make something that um, is more than just like the story of a hunt that really has a lot of emotions, has a lot of, um, I guess, subliminal and contextual stuff built into the edit that um, you don't really get to do on a TV show or a web show or anything like that, like really making something I felt like that was quote unquote artsier. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I definitely, uh, will be hoping that we get the opportunity to do more of that in the future. Yeah, for sure. Cause, um, like I said, I really like, that's why now I'm just, I watch all of those docuseries and stuff cause I really, um, I enjoy them. Yeah, and I enjoy the process, and I enjoy the end result. Yeah, a lot. I learned. I learned on that project more on the business side of 
how to structure something like that, how to attack a project that's that big. And then that, since we did that project, you know, we filmed it in less than a week. Yeah. And edited it in whatever month or two. You know, that's a, in the grand scheme of things, that's a lot of work. So how, in terms of business, like how do I, how do I budget time, effort, money, you know, pricing, you know, how do I do that to, you know, because in the grand scheme of things, it was all said and done, you know, profit wise on that. I really don't know the exact number, but it's not near as much as I thought it was going to be. And, but at the same time, that project, even though we did probably didn't make as much money on that as I'd like to have the value that we got out of you got out of it from what you learned, the value I got out of it from learning something, you know, some really, strategic things business-wise that I needed to know in terms of tackling something like that, it was as valuable or more valuable than the profit we would have made, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but, you know. And I think, if nothing else, just us knowing now, like, oh, we can tackle something like that. Oh, yeah, for like sure. We can we can do a project that's oh, man, artsier. We that. can do a project with multiple shooters we I've can said do a that project a thousand times to people when they you know they ask us well you know what have we done what can we do i'm like at this point we can do anything it's like you give us enough time and a good enough budget we can do anything we'll figure it out yeah we'll figure yeah. it out for sure um and it'll be cool and it and it will be cool for sure um so i think blue stem was huge for me and then um i got to go on like my first real turkey hunt mm-hmm. with Brian. And it was a rough one. You haven't got to do a really good one yet. Yeah, it was rough. It was <laughs> it was you rough. You need a good one. We'll do a good one this year, hopefully. Um, But it was fun, and now I would also like to shoot a turkey in the face myself. Yeah, well, duh. So we'll be trying to get after that this spring. Um, And then, <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, the rest of the editing season was um red arrow work which i think taught that me that was a, a compressed th- timeline though that it was a compressed was really it was a compressed timeline and it was the first tv show i'd ever worked on so basically it was it taught me how to basically structure and work on a tv show you have to approach them entirely differently than you do a web show um so it taught me a lot about that and by structure i mean both inside of premiere technically and story-wise and then just kind of helping me with editing speed and efficiency um trying to be faster keep on deadlines um not get stuck in details which i still you know i'm still slower than probably i should be i'm slower than you but um for the first time me trying to do that and really just focusing on on efficiency of editing. Yeah. Um and, you know, making sure you've got all the pieces, making sure you've got all of the um contractual obligations with sponsors in there, making sure that you've got all the graphics in there, making sure it's exported and uploaded properly. I mean, from start to finish, a uh, TV show has so many elements. And there's that, so many so many steps. Yeah, that a that a web show doesn't have. So, um, you know, that was a great learning experience for me, and and something that, you know, I'll I have, I can take forward as as we go. Kind of mm-hmm. knowing now, okay, this now is we what have it to, takes. Now we have to get Clay have to on get that Clay same 
that same level because it's going to come down to us all three working on those projects together and being able to get those things right. done in a timely fashion. Um, you know, when Clay came in in July, mm-hmm. right, July, right? So, uh, and you had done, you had done a couple other, uh, projects with me and just with me though, but we did to, Florida, Florida. We did the shoal bass thing. And we did the, and you came with us on the, uh, ATA trip. Yeah. I still have not wrapped up <laughs> yeah, I know. God dang. Freaking Still what? just waiting around. Yeah, I know. But um, maybe we can finish that in the spring. I'm not going to hold my breath because I don't know what the heck Mossy Oak's doing. If Mossy Oak, if anybody, you listen to this, like, what what's going on? Like, somebody, like, what's happening? They're like, like, what are y'all doing? Can't, not seeing anything. You just, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Anyway, um, so... Clay hasn't got to experience the full. You got to experience a pretty full fall. Yep. Um, but this is going to be your first, you know, editing season. Mm-hmm. So, what's kind of your ten thousand foot view of everything so far? Um, the biggest thing is definitely I like web better than TV. Oh God, me too. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but other than that, I mean. I mean, that was really about it. It was everything I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and that's a boring answer, but I was doing exactly what I w- thought and wanted to be doing. So, okay. Really but so you did enjoy everything. Oh, you 100%. Know? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, looking forward to 2021, you know, we kind of, I guess we kind of skimmed over the top of 2020, which we've talked about everything we've done pretty well. So, kind of looking ahead. You know what we've got looking forward to. You know, obviously we're still doing Red Arrow, we're still doing Hunt Masters, we're getting ready to hunt, getting ready to edit both of those, which we still got a lot of shooting to do. Pickups for Hunt Masters, we still got a lot of shooting to do just for hunts. Period. With Kip, um, you know, right now we're still doing stuff with Dudley, we're still doing stuff with Rolly White, we're still doing stuff with Chuck with Hunting Habit, we're still doing stuff for Spy Point. So we have all the clients that we had last year. Knock on wood, we have this year, and. They're going to be larger this year because we're doing more shows with Hunt Masters this year. We've already got a ton of dates on the calendar. We're adding dates now. So looking forward, we're in a better place this year because we're going to have Clay from the very beginning um, that's going to be able to help us a tremendous amount on editing the Red Arrow shows because that's something that we all three can do. Um, and then it's going to help tremendously going into the spring when we're doing multiple shoots in multiple places. And honestly, it's getting to the place to where, and I've talked to Ryer about this. I don't know if I really talked to Clay about it, but going forward, as we do more and more and more, and we gain more and more traction, the more and more we do, the more and more crap I have to do on the back end that's not production related. That takes time away from me being able to go on more trips and go, you know, do the things that, I mean, I truly, really enjoy doing. But it's one of those things where we're that's the place that we're at. You know, we're getting to the place where I have to handle quote unquote business crap more so than I would like. But um editing season starting now and us being ahead of the game, you know, and, and, and I've talked to Ryer about this several times just because he knows how hard it was last year because of how time compressed we were. 
And I don't yeah. want us to be in that position this year because Clay hasn't experienced it, so there's no sense in me even talking to him about it because he doesn't understand what happened last year. But this, you know, this year, knowing the lineup of shows, knowing the time that we have, if we start now, it's going to be much better because come February, all the all the turkey dates are going to start happening. We'll never have dates from Chuck because he doesn't believe in dates. So it'll just be one of those, like, you can somebody go next week? Yeah, Ryer's not doing anything. Ryer will go. I, no, Clay's not doing anything. He can go. Or whatever, you know, what, whatever happens with Chuck just because yeah. he's terrible at scheduling. But other than that, like, we're going to start getting dates for the spring. So we've got the next two months to get ahead on what we can do, which right now we can really only edit Huntmasters. So if we can get two or three Huntmasters shows done in the next two months, man, we're – Sitting really pretty. That's almost that's almost half the season. Yeah, yeah. If we can get two, two to three, like I would love to have three done. Um, how feasible is that? I think it's very doable um, because we've only got like really two trips that we have to go on in the next two months. So you know we can we can get it done, um, and we have all you know virtually all the assets that so we don't have to go and shoot. But we 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 know what we're doing long enough, you know, well enough to be able to leave gaps for those things. But getting ahead of the editing because we have a passion project that we're not going to talk about um, yet. We're going to film in the spring that we want to be able to do. We want to be able to do that right. We also like you just said you want to kill a turkey. Well, so do I, and I'm sure Clay does too. Like I want to have time for us to do those things. And then getting into summer, that's when. We're going to be. I mean, we're going to be doing Red Arrow probably through the spring some, but that's going to be the time that we are all three on Red Arrow edits, mm-hmm. getting those done, and then before you know it, it'll be end of August, and we have a full freaking schedule already just for Huntmasters. Yeah, with nobody else. Yeah, there's F dates on the calendar. Yeah, there's already dates. Oh, like really? I, I haven't even. Looked. Oh yeah, there's dates all the way to January <laughs> yep. for next 2022. I like that. Yeah, me too. Um. Yeah, because Clint was asking me about dates, about stuff, and I was like, dude, I never have dates this early. I'm like, I can't tell you dates yet. And, like, literally that night, freaking Greg, Johnny on the spot, Mr. Um, Efficiency, already knows his dates. I'm like, Greg runs a tight ship. Dude, I could have kissed him through the phone. I'm like, (laughs) dude, you you know how nice it is to know dates. But you know what that does for him? And if clients, if you aren't listening to this, you know what that does for Greg? Stress free. It's now he knows. Now we know, dude. It makes it so nice. I can schedule guys out. They know they have dates. They know they're going to get paid. They know they have all this. You get first pick. You get first pick. You get you first do. pick. That's getting first draft you, pick. You get first freaking pick. If you because, wait, if you wait until and guess what? You know what? You know why Chuck gets last freaking pick? It's because he's always last. Wow! Look at all those. Yeah, look at them. There's so many dates on there. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy not to see my name on that Yukon moose. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at it. I was like, yes. Yeah, I Ooh. already no. You I was talking to my dad it. about that. He was watching. We were watching media the other night, and they were on. Uh, they were in uh, Wyoming on horses doing a packing trip. My dad's like, man, that looks fun. I was like, that looks like it sucks. <laughs> and I was like, they're doing a they're doing a Yukon horse Yukon hunt for moose this year with Greg. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you going? I said, heck no. I was like, I've already put Ryer and Clint on that trip. I'm not going on that What's trip. What's the Vegas thing? Vegas thing. 
Oh, that's for me and Nicole. I'm taking oh, Nicole's oh, okay. always wanted to go to NFR, so I'm taking oh. her to NFR this year. We're not going the whole time. We're probably just going to go for like two days. But apparently, they're moving it back to Vegas. I was really hoping they'd keep it in Dallas Fort Worth again because they moved it for COVID. But Las Vegas didn't like losing all that money to Dallas Fort yeah, Worth this year, so they already have announced they're holding it back in Vegas this year, which I would much rather be in Dallas. But anyway, yeah, I've got some stuff. I need to figure out a way to make it to where, like, personal stuff, like, is in a certain color or every, something. I know every day you're getting a haircut. Oh, I know. <laughs> i got to figure that out. <laughs> I need to call I need to call your haircut lady because I, I, I need it. I'm going on Wednesday. You, you're going on Wednesday? Yeah, I'm going on Wednesday morning. Will she do me at the same time, or do I need to call and make a separate appointment because <laughs> I'm a grown adult? Will she do me at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> you really need to think about your words. <laughs> um, will she will she cut my hair at the same time? I don't know. I'll have to ask. Um, I mean, it's a lot. It's gonna it's gonna be. Yours will take like two seconds. Yeah, mine doesn't take. Yours long. just. I've had the same haircut for as long as I remember. Mine, mine's gonna need some working. You need some work. What? Some serious work. Just You trimming you trimming the beard too? Yeah, I'll probably trim the beard a little bit. Not all time though. I'm not. Mad about the just a little shaping. I don't. I'm not mad about the. Uh, I don't know bulk how you stand it. it. That drives me insane. It's called being a man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called. Well, you still have to. It's talking about scheduling. You still have to schedule to go home sometime. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. Because you didn't get to go home for Christmas. Like you need to go home. You didn't get to go to California. No, my whole family caught Rona. No, he didn't go. Yeah, well, I was. It was basically the same situation as, as, as what happened to you. Is, uh, I was like had the flight booked and everything, and then my dad called me. He was like, "Hey, I've got Rona," and then my, like, obviously my brother lives with him, and then, uh, the other brother kind of goes back and forth, and then my mom's husband was like, apparently sick, but he hadn't got tested yet. So I was like. I don't know. He could have Rona too, and like, I'm not scared. Give it to me. I don't care. Yeah, I've but, been trying to get it. But I think the, I had it in May, but I'm not I know sure. I've been, I know I've been in contact, like physical yeah. t- contact, with someone that's had it twice. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't care about getting Corona, but what I didn't want was to be in contact with somebody and then maybe get it, and then you know now I've been around you two, now I've been around uh, Jordan, who I live with, Katie and Olivia in the office, and. It's not so much a problem of any of us worried about getting sick. It's that yeah. if we have it, then Giving we have it to, to be like, that doesn't oh, need it. oh, hey, you know, we've all got corona, and now none of us can go on this trip because we're not allowed yeah. to go because people are worried about it. So well, I appreciate you thinking about me. That's nice of you. Yeah, I was just trying to make sure that I wasn't well, going to hurt the Well, but either way, <laughs> if you don't go home soon, your mother's going to have to come here and kill you because she's ready for you to go home. She can't kill me. I still think you need to just have her come here instead of you going to California. I would rather do that. You should. What's there to do in California? Not really a lot. Not right uh, now. You can't I do can anything. Say on this podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, I know they drink a lot of sweet tea with, or unsweet tea with lemon out there. Weirdos. That's not unsweet. That's sweet tea. That is not sweet tea. That is sweet tea. That is you not. You want to taste it? No. No. <laughs> so, editing season, getting back on track. Editing season. Editing is upon season us. is upon us. And uh, Clay, cool. are you looking forward to editing season? I mean, I've never edited in the capacity back to back to back like I'm about to. 
But once I get in the groove of editing, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But like Brock's thing I'm doing now is the first thing I edited in a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, it takes a long oh time to get back God. in the groove. Yeah. Like a nine minute video is taking me like six days. Yeah. But I mean, you give me like, I'll edit yours next. Yeah. I haven't knocked out like two days. Yeah. And I also shot that one. Yeah. Um, but here, the field producer on Brock's hunt was excellent. You should have everything you need, <laughs> if not more. <laughs> <laughs> I shot it. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's a great joke that never gets old. I've said that like some sick man. He never took that picture, man. He really knew what he was doing. <laughs> I haven't had it. I haven't, you haven't come into my office a single time asking for anything or where anything is at. <laughs> He did and I cannot, and I cannot say the same for other projects that were shot by different producers. He does need clarification, though, for the fourteen arrows that he shot. We I, did, I, we I, did. I did have to explain that. I, I said, I did, uh, I said, we did have to really go through and be like, okay. no, okay, so this, and then this, so and I then said, this, I and said, then we did this, and I didn't film those things. And yeah. so I said, Ryer, what happened on the hunt? And he's like, well, this is what happened. And I filmed it seven different ways, twice, <sighs> so you can do whatever you want with it. And well, I see, said, great. And I was with Brock on that hunt in New Mexico. See? See? Did you hear that, folks? Yeah. Did you hear that? Wait, let's just rewind. <laughs> oh, and so I can bask in my excellence. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Not really. This is a learning lesson. So, the Brock put a couple of arrows into this bowl. Couple. That happens. It's More an elk a couple, hunt. Couple. He did Two. hit a branch, though. It was not yes, his fault. Yes, there were extenuating circumstances. It happens to everybody. <laughs> but, as you guys know, sometimes you won't necessarily show all of those things. You want to show the one clean shot and then cut to the bull being dead or the animal being dead um, for various reasons, stylistic or otherwise. And uh, me, knowing that it could go either way, and that at the time, uh, at the time when I talked to Brock, he was cool showing it exactly how it happened. But sometimes you get into the edit and you show it exactly how it happens, and and people well, are like, people are that. like, oh shoot, um, I don't want to see it that way. Yeah. Let's can we do this? So, in the recreates, I made sure that I got enough and I got it so that you could play it any way you wanted to, mm-hmm. and you're not tying your editor to anything well see i was i was telling him the same thing when we were in new mexico and he missed that bowl and i'm like the next day after we missed that bowl and we just went on the death march and it was just bad mm-hmm. i was like the next day and he was like all right set me up and he's like hey it's day two i'm like let's just make this day one <laughs> i was like because i don't know how much of yesterday we're gonna want to show he's like dude show it he's like it happened he's like i'd rather show it how it happened i'm like Okay. Brock does not care. He I really I doesn't. sent him a link to his mule deer hunt two weeks after it happened back in August, and he still is like, eh, <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. Four He's one of a ago. kind. He's one of a kind. I got to love him, though. Are you reading comments? Yeah, I was just reading Arnie Palmy comment. No, don't yeah, read that's that. really bad. I'm glad that you had to say that, though. No. With your mouth. I don't even know if I could, if I said that right. <laughs> Threw up in my mouth a little bit. So you're looking forward to editing season um, for the most part. I wouldn't say looking forward to it. I would say not dreading it yet. What? I'm curious. What, and you can answer this too, Caleb. What would be your ideal shooting to editing ratio? 
If you could choose it. Like, what do you mean? Editing everything like, you shoot. Well, like, how many, how many oh, days? like, days editing versus days shooting? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have any issue filming everything I shot this year. You mean editing everything you shot? Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. As I meant, not as I said. <laughs> like, um, if you had to, how many days would you want to be filming and how many days would you want to be editing? Let's say out of a month. Well, well it depends on, because, like, you're going to spend less days editing web than you would TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. TV makes everything harder. I mean, if I had to edit 30 days worth of Spy Point, I'd rather edit 30 days of Spy Point than I would 30 days of Hunt Masters or Red Arrow. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Just the thing with TV that I learned this year is mm. there's a lot more fluff. Oh, it's that, all fluff. That I personally don't care about. Yeah, nobody nobody cares about it. That's the worst. That's the hardest part about a 30-minute TV show is the the part that people care about watching, <clears throat> especially at hunting shows, two minutes, maybe three minutes. You know, when we have to create this illusion or tell this story that, some people will enjoy, some people won't, you know, and, and it's, I don't know, it's, like, we, I read comments on things that people watch, and there's always the same 10 or 15 shows that people really enjoy watching, and Red Arrow is always one of them, and they enjoy it because they watch Kip, and they can relate to Kip, you know, but if you really break down the show, there's five minutes of that show that are the meat of that show, that the entire show is built around. Like, mm-hmm. when we talk about shows, even in web shows, they're built around a kill. You know, 99.9% of the time they're built around the animal that we killed on that trip. You know, we literally, I'm looking through the list of the shows for Hunt Masters right now, and they're all built around what deer or what animal was shot. And then we literally, not tell the story in reverse, but that whole storyline that we've created, um, either before or after something was shot, is built around that animal. And uh, which we've talked about the the camera class of how we're going to tell the story about the racing, and that's talked you know that to me that's a cooler story in the grand scheme of things, I guess, because the animal happens so fast. You know, the yeah. kill shot is it just it's it's so quick. Whereas a race or a racing season, there's so much more substance to that because the race doesn't happen like that. You know, like a kill shot does. And I think that's why it feels like there's so much fluff is because it's all this build up to this culmination of this one point. Whereas in a racing film or in a virtually everything else, like building a house or you know a cooking show, there's there's way more build up and not this like one you know one point where the climax is like that's the like I can stick my finger on the climax of the movie or the show on the kill shot. That's it. You know that's the highest point. Um, well, some of it too is like, <clears throat> you look at a kill shot, you could take the kill shot, that sequence of getting to the setup, wherever it is, animal comes in, you shoot it, hands on the animal. You could take that out of everything else mm-hmm. and it like, you can still watch it, it would and stand by enjoy itself, it. Yeah. It'll stand yeah. by itself. Yeah. If you were to take, you know, like the culmination of a racing season, like, Say they win the race, right? And you're yeah. culminating to try to get to the final race. Now I probably sound like a noob, but you're trying to get to the final race. You want to win that final race, right? You could take that final race, take the win, and somebody wa- would watch it and be like, oh, that's cool, they won. But 
it does. It's not really that exciting. Well, you where you, you need can't to have just show. You can't. I get what you're saying. Yeah. You can show just a kill shot in that whole scene and get enjoyment out of it. You can't just show a car crossing a finish line and know the whole story and get enjoyment out of it. Right. You have to develop the characters. You have to develop yeah. the the stakes. You have to make people care about both of those things mm-hmm. and show. You know the effort, show the struggle, show the highs, so the lows, and the, then so then when they win, show, now you've got a yeah, climax. Show rivalry, show yeah. camaraderie, show teamwork, show all those things. And you now just, it means something. Yeah. But without all that other stuff, that win is yeah. doesn't mean as much. You just don't get that. You don't. You get some of that with hunting. You get a cool story with whitetails of mm-hmm. running trail cameras and f- planning food plots and history and encounters. You do get some of that. Yeah, but. If you take all that out and just show a kill shot, 80% of your viewers are going to be just as happy with that kill shot mm-hmm. as they would if they watched the whole thing, or happier because they didn't have to watch the rest of it. Yeah. Because me personally, I have seen, I couldn't, I wish I knew the number of how many deer or animals I've seen get shot on outdoor television or edited myself. Hundreds. Hundreds. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, how do we reinvent the wheel every time? Because there's only so many ways you can film a deer or an elk or a turkey or whatever gets shot. I enjoy every one of them. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard for guys like us that want to do things better and more and more interesting and think outside the box, too. You've got to do all that with the, the climax is that fast. And then it almost seems like everything after that climax, like no one cares about. Nobody they've cares. already seen what they they want to see the animal get shot, well, and they want to see someone holding it. And then after that, it, it, everything almost seems irrelevant. Well, I got an email from Trent today from Spy Point that says he wants to shorten the open for the Spy Point episodes to like five seconds because their metrics are showing once people get to the open that their viewership numbers fall off. And the reason is that one-minute tease has got everything in it. You know, it's got every, you know, every major point that happens minus the kill shot. You know, I would venture to guess that they're watching the tease. This is how I do it. Sorry. I watch the tease of something, and if I see a big animal or a, if, if I see a rifle, I don't watch it. <laughs> if I see a muzzleloader, I for sure don't watch it. If I see a bow, I'm interested. If I see a bow and a turkey, I'm not watching it. <laughs> so it like it he's has, reporting. He's reporting it to the authorities. It has to. It has to meet a criteria for me <laughs> in that teaser. I'm not going to watch it. And even if I do, you've got to really catch me in that teaser for me to watch the whole thing. Well, and the problem is there's some things that almost need a tease like that to get things rolling. Yeah, because the the like some of our clients like. I have no idea why it just turned up. Wow. Like okay. Like Dudley, for instance. Dudley is very get what you get, go, get the kill shot. Well, it's kind of hard to roll into that smoothly without some type of tease in the beginning. Or, yeah, unless you unless you do what so many people are enjoying right now, which is the the r- raw version of what we're doing, which is has its place, don't get me wrong, but there's like the, the, the passion project that we're talking about doing. There's not going to be a tease with that. You, it's going to roll into the story that we're wanting to tell. And there's and maybe that's something that we try and do more of, is not tease it. Make it to where you, you've got to watch it to see what happens. You know, that type thing. Um, well, that's the thing that, for me, and, you know, I get all mental about things, but 
Like, if you want suspense, you can't tell people what is going to happen. And that's half the problem with the tease and with a most TV shows is it's almost guaranteed we know exactly what will happen. If it's an elk hunt, there's a very good chance that an elk is dying. And so it's like you can't build suspense because there is no, like, alternative. There's no possibility that that doesn't work out, right? Whereas you watch a movie, you have no idea how anything is going to work out. You have no idea who's going to do what or if it's going to fail. The descriptions are so ambiguous. That's what I was going to say is you watch a hunting show, and we used to sit there and strategize at Sub 7, like how we were going to name these shows to get more viewerships. Because if you put bow hunting and whitetails in the same description, it automatically rates higher. Yeah. It, you know, it's because people know deer's going to get shot with a bow, so they're going to watch it. Right. You know? And it, and even further, like, you know, because of if you've watched enough shows, you know, okay, segment one and two, we're going to be, you're going to see some pretty deer. Segment three or four will be the kill, probably four if it's one kill. And, like, you know. You well, know that for the first three quarters of the show, any of the deer that walk in, like, probably aren't going to get shot. Well, not only that, but... And then finally you get to the last scene, and it's almost impossible not to know that that deer is about to get shot mm-hmm. because the amount of weight that is put on that scene is so much more, and the amount of epicness and the amount of time that's spent on that one scene is so much more because that's the one where the deer gets killed. Mm-hmm. And so it almost subconsciously, like, removes any of the suspenseful elements because... We know you know happen. you're not going to show a deer not getting shot there. Yeah. So he's going to get shot. Well, and I guess that's the one be- the one caveat and the one beauty of TV is if you do want to see the kill shots, you've got to watch at least three or four segments in. Yeah. Web. And then all oh, there's three quarters away. Let's click there. Oh, there's a deer. Oh, yeah, it's it. All it right. Almost, go on to the next it one. almost spoils you because, like, no one ever puts out. There's some people out there that put out the real and raw stuff of nothing getting shot. But most people aren't wasting the time editing stuff if nothing gets shot. Oh, yeah. So it's almost like if you see it posted and advertised and on TV or on social ads from a sponsor or something, like something gets shot. Yeah. So it's you're already expecting it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, and it's like, okay, what do we do? How do we, how do we change that? How do we, you know, and it's almost got to be kind of like I was talking about with the racing. It's like, okay, how do we break that mold to where you you've the only way to do it is you've got to create a series that doesn't revolve around the kill shot. Mm-hmm. That's like our pro- project we want to do. Well, yeah, that one. And like, kind of like blue stem, like, you know, you didn't see really any kills until the last episode. Yeah. I um, put kills in there where they, but here's the problem. With, here's the problem yeah. with that. Here's the problem with that. Which one? Here's the problem with doing a series. that's not based around kill shots really hard to get people to pay you to do that mm-hmm. because right, this yeah. entire industry is predicated on seeing stuff get shot because the sponsors and I'm not need saying, to have their product connected yeah, to a an animal and I'm not sh- and I'm not saying completely take kill shots out of it but I'm saying create a series that doesn't rely on having to shoot something every episode that way you can tell that story about teamwork camaraderie rivalry all the things that happen with the racing season or with some other form of content, you can do all those things, and the character's no longer the deer. It's the 
sport of hunting or the outdoors or the, you know, the people that are doing it. You know, that's, you know, and they kind of tried to do that with Duck Dynasty. And they tried to try to do that type thing because they didn't really show any hunts. And that's, but that's a reality show. I think mm-hmm. if you – and I think this comes down to – maybe it's not a series. Maybe it's a film. Yeah. Maybe it's a, a short series, a limited series, like a blue stem or something. That Then you can really dig deep versus, okay, we're going to go film 10 deer hunts and we're going to make 10 shows out of it. Mm-hmm. No. Let's go film killing one or two deer and make five really, really cool – pieces about mm-hmm. the pursuit of those two deer. Well, isn't that what Aaron does for the Spy Points other show? They don't kill a deer every episode. Well, do they don't they? kill a deer at all. I don't think it's all about habitat. That's it's I mean. all, yeah. You know, and and that's that has value too. But I'm saying at a high at the highest level what we're wanting to do, how do you create a series that people want to watch the whole thing? Like you look at a Yellowstone, you look at a, you know, a newsroom, you look at a you know, your favorite series for me, and maybe this is just me, maybe I'm the odd person out since y'all both don't really watch movies and whole I mean, we watch more series than movies though. Uh yeah, I'm a big T V series and guy. You really just watch YouTube. See, me, like knowing what Yellowstone is now, I will rewatch it again. I've already watched it through twice. Mm-hmm. I will watch it through a third time and I will sit there and I will watch every second. And I will not look away. If I have to use the bathroom, I'm pausing it. I don't want to miss a single second. You've got to create a series or a connection with that piece of content that they do not want to look away. They don't want to miss a single thing. Well, the thing with Yellowstone or anything like a TV series or even a movie is there's like, you know how when you break down a timeline, Right, and you've got the big timeline. Then you've got this little, this piece, this piece, this piece makes up a segment, and you've got four segments. All that, it's it's like the same thing with a series like that, where you've got this giant arc, right? This giant story arc that is the whole series. Then each episode has an arc, a a beginning, a middle, and an end, yeah. some sort of story within that episode. And then you've got the characters. Every character has this large arc that their character development arc goes through the entire series. And in order for people to keep watching, uh, the only thing that ever resolves is that episodic conflict, Mm -hmm. the per episode. But in every single episode, that episodic conflict is driving these character arcs, and all of them are always in the middle somewhere. And so you never have a resolution to where you're like, I'm okay done watching there. Like, I'm fine if I stop there mm-hmm. because you want to see what happens to this character. You want to see what happens to this yeah. relationship. You want to see what happens to this place. You want to see what happens over the course of the entire show. Yeah. And all the time they are resolving and then creating new problems and conflicts. So you've got all of these arcs that are just ending and starting yeah, in the middle that keep you invested in it. What's well, a hunting show is you turn on a hunting show and you've not watched the first three episodes and you watch episode four, doesn't matter if you miss the first three or the next mm-hmm. ones. They're not they tied do, they're together. They're not tied together. Every episode has to be yeah, its, its own it's, cliffhanger. Yeah, it's its own standalone thing. You know, you can do a two-parter. You know, well, we didn't kill in this episode, but we got enough footage to make a second episode, so we're doing a part two. You right. know, you can do that. 
but that's the and and is there is there a way to do that in the hunting world? Yes. What does that look like? It looks like extremely hard mm-hmm. with a lot of planning with a really good budget. Yeah, you need budget. And you there need are time. very few people out there that have all those things. It would almost be a series about, and people have tried to do it unsuccessfully, but a series about a season-long quest for a specific animal from day one to either you kill it. What in the world? Our phones, phones are losing crazy. their minds. Basically until day one or you find the deer or season opens until you kill it or season ends. Mm-hmm. And whether you kill it or not, you pump out an episode. I think it could. I think it can be even – you can dive even deeper than that. But, but along um, those timelines. Yeah, like, for sure. Where encounters happen in episodes where you don't see the deer or he goes missing. Yeah. The whole episode's about finding him. I think it could be almost, and if somebody on the podcast takes this idea and runs with it, good, you know, good for you. But the idea that got me hired, that got me hired at Sub 7, that I've never really dove into, like I've never really explained it. I don't know if I've ever even told you the idea. I have a The idea? Yeah. So, so far I know that you and your brother yeah, no. won the contest, and then it yeah. was the email you sent to email I sent to Fox, Fox Ready. So yeah. The email I sent to Fox Look at Ready. this. We're getting some classified yeah, we are. deep so, dive information onto so, Caleb. And I kind of I kind of fancy myself as an idea guy. I have lots of ideas. but this, got, He is an ideas guy. He does not fancy himself as that. He has a list on his phone that has more ideas yeah. in it. And he comes up with more ideas in probably a week than I do in like a month or three. And well, that's saying a lot because I have ADHD and my brain just thinks of random stuff. <laughs> so the reason I got into this business was uh, when I signed my brother up for the contest. But the reason I got hired and got paid to do it was a uh, charity event. No, was a uh, <laughs> charity case. No, yeah. That's the term you're looking for. So I wrote Jeff Fox with an email. I got his email address through a friend of a friend. And the idea of the show is going to be called The Lease or The Hunting Club. That was the kind of the working title. And it took emphasis off the kill. There was a show called Swamp Loggers or Swamp People or something like that. Essentially what it did is it had three or four different groups of people in Louisiana that harvested these logs out of the swamps and they would take them and sell them. And they would jump back and forth between different camps. But all these camps had these crazy characters. At least one crazy character. Well, my idea was the exact same thing, but with hunting clubs or with a hunting lease. So you had one or two deer leases, you had a turkey lease, then you had an elk lease. And essentially, you did the same thing where you followed those guys throughout their season. Springtime, you know, planting food plots, summertime food plots, hanging stands, all those things, putting up no trespassing signs. You know, once season gets here, Guys hunting the wrong stand, trespassers, somebody shot the wrong deer. And it has nothing to do with the kill. It has everything to do with 90% of guys out there that are dependent on family property, a hunting lease, a hunting club, because they can't afford their own property. Mm-hmm. They're reliant on somebody else for hunting permission, some other, some way. So I wanted to follow two or three different places like that with good characters throughout the trials and tribulations of their season because it would be super relatable for most guys that hunt. 
because they don't own their own ground. They're like, man, I had a guy do that same thing on my, my lease last year. Man, he, you know, that idiot in my club shot the wrong deer too, you know. You know, that guy can't get that guy to shoot any does. He won't shoot his bucks, but he won't shoot any does. That guy, he never cleans up after himself. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, and, and all the things that happen. And, and, and if you get some kill shots, great. But I didn't even really care about filming the hunts at all. It was all about the guys and girls at these places. You got your either Georgia hunting club, your Midwest lease, and then your elk, you know, lease out west. And then you follow along that way. And and kind of taking those things and putting those into a series. And literally you have the map. Like you're in Georgia and we bump up and what are the guys in the Midwest doing? What are the guys out west doing? And then you jump back and forth. Has nothing to do with what they're killing. Has everything to do with the day-to-day life of what it looks like to have a hunting lease or a hunting club. Mm -hmm. That was the idea that got me hired. Is like making that into a series. And that series morphed and morphed and morphed until it was Fox Really Outdoors where they just hunted his hunting club with his buddies. Got me a job, but that email broke the ice in order for that conversation to ever even happen. Mm-hmm. That that series has still never been done. And the reason it's not been done is because it's extremely hard to do. Well, I mean, you're talking about logistically, in order to do that, you're going to, if you want it to be good, you'll mm-hmm. need a team of multiple guys in each one of those locations for an extended period of time for a season. Yeah. You know, and then you got to bring all of that back. You've got to figure out all your storylines. You've got to sort through what amounts to terabytes and terabytes of footage and then spend the time editing. You'll, If you do like an interview type setup, you'll need to synthesize your in the field interviews and get any narration you needed to do depending on the style. Oh, it's a I huge mean, undertaking. Like that is, that's a, almost like a deadliest catch of hunting. Yeah. And, and to do that, the amount of budget you would need is yeah. above and beyond almost anything that any show has had. But that show would have all the things that you need to keep people engaged and not it would care perf- anything. It would not perform, care anything about a kill. It would perform insanely well. Yeah. So, but, Will it justify the cost? That's the golden question, and who pays for it? And do sponsors think it's going to sell product? Yeah, exactly. You know, in the, all and these the things, problem, the I'm, problem in, with I'm that indifferent is, to sponsors with my ideas. By the way, I don't care about sponsors when I'm thinking of ideas. It, yeah, and well, you think of this: how do you, how can you market that to sponsors when you've got three different crews of guys in three different? I mean, not even that's not even three different guys. That's three different crews of hunters. There, there's no way they're all realistically going to be using all the same equipment. Yeah. There's no way they could do that. No, it would have you know? to. It would have to be a. It'd have to be almost a Netflix type series to where sponsors don't matter. Yeah. And to film a pilot for that would cost, hundred grand. And if you're going to do, you it, almost can't even film a pilot. You yeah. have to like just, you just have to, nut up and do the whole season. Yeah. Because how are you going to do a pilot? Exactly. And just do like yeah. a quarter of the season. You can't. You got to yeah. do the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could theoretically do a pilot for like if you just did. If you're like, hey, this is kind of the concept. We want it to be multiple locations across the U.S. But what we're going to do is we're going to take like, you could do whitetail, 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 or turkey, turkey, whitetail, or something like that, where you could send one crew to one place at one time and you know you could kind of make it yeah if you got fancy with it you could make it seem like you're in three different places 
Yeah. At one time. And, or we could work with producers we already know that have tons and tons of footage that we could say, hey, you got enough stuff to put this one cool pilot together if we go shoot some interviews and some yeah. infield stuff and fake something just so they have a concept. We could probably do it. But, you know, it's... But again, to sell something that large, it's yeah. almost like you got to show them and then this try, is the thing. And then sit down and budget what it's going to cost to do that. Who who knows? Yeah. Millions. Millions of dollars. Um, But this, even, even if you think about, like, why people love Ranella. Ranella's shows don't really, they don't, you know, want, they stand alone. Mm-hmm. They still don't have that arch, you know. The reason people watch Ranella is for Ranella. He's a storyteller. He's a historian. He knows. He's just, he's interesting. Yeah. And you know? he's not a, uh, he doesn't throw product in your yeah, no, not at You'd all. You never see Prada or Ranella doing product videos. You never see him. Like, a lot of their B-roll and stuff even isn't of products they that he's using. There's a lot of long shots in Ranella. Yeah. It's not my style. I like it just for Ranella, but, like, which I say not my style. I don't know what my style is, to be honest. Like, what? What if you had to give me a style, what would it be? If I had to, like, analyze your style? Yeah. Um, usually when you edit things, uh, and it's hard because you, uh, you've kind of created the template for some of these things and then that template carries over. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, you did so much work on the habit. Like that was your baby and the yeah. habit style yeah. is fast, uh, it's too fast, fast. Like I can't slow my down, myself down sometimes. Uh, big beats. Uh, music drives the edit. Oh, yeah. Um, you've got dialogue, a lot of talking, a lot of between characters. Um, and I would say that it is relatable uh, and definitely driven by, uh, like, the, the characters talking. And there's a lot of humor involved in it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I would say, but like you look at the Spy Point show, and that's different. Yeah. Like you do edit that one differently than like a Habit show. Um, I would probably say that if I had to distill the things that are similar between all of your edits, I would definitely say music driven um, and usually big beats. Like you like to have a very defined musical beat carrying a scene. Um, A lot of dialogue. Like, you're not one who will usually let a bunch of uh, scenery shots or a bunch of B-roll shots play for a long time. I mean, you like to get into the talking, get into the setup, get into the narration really quickly. Yeah. Um, And I would say... I would say your edit's... Just have a fast pace in general. Yeah, um, I could. And, agree. I, would and, agree. I agree with all that. And I think I think you definitely have a lot of like trying to keep it relatable. Like all of your edits have a sense of relatability, a sense of like you're not trying to make them this big, huge, epic thing. Like you're you're taking those little one-liners, those little quips, those yeah. little funny things, the weird things that happen, and you're putting them into. I think it. that's going to be my hardest transition doing. Um, Masters is it's not going to be as music driven. That's going to be really tough for me because the music is kind of more of a bed than it is a 
the driving force. Mm-hmm. You know? So. Yeah, but I think you need to hit the nail on the head with that. Hmm. I've never really thought about it, though. Like I, like I say, not my style. I've never even really thought about what my style is. And I think you did hit it right on the head, though. Well, I don't think anybody ever thinks of their style. Yeah. Like, I don't know what my style is. Do you know what your style is, Clay? I don't know. Really? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't ever think of your style. Yeah. I just know what's not my style, and that's not my style. I know I know what I prefer to do, but it's not always feasible with each project. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, if I was in charge of writing a show, it would be Greg's. Not as much voiceover. Yeah. So the cinematic aspect of Greg's show, just no voiceover. Yeah. See, mine would probably be a melding. Mine would be a elements of Greg and like elements of the habit. Where right. like you've got I love the off the cuff, the weird things happening, and I love like big, super cool music driven stuff. Like, you know that I'm music nut. I love listening to music, and I love those little, like, when you can take and make a scene to, like, a really cool music. But I think that when you pair that with, like, a super cool, really cinematic sequence and almost meld those two things together, it's really cool. Yeah. Where you go from something that's, like, kind of slow, B-roll driven, this, that, or the other, and then you get into the scene, and boom, you hit people in the face with this, like, awesome really cool fast face, face melter yeah and i think i think my drive for doing something like greg's comes from all the weddings i've done mm-hmm. i think in real estate videos i think that's yeah that see comes i'm from. not a voiceover guy not a fan don't like writing voiceover don't like having it don't like using it um just because i feel like there's so many better ways of of conveying something with voiceover um like perfect example which i know it's it's disney and they do just an incredible job of storytelling, but I don't know if you ever watched the movie Up. Yeah, heavy. So uh, in high school, there's I was re- I people thought that I reminded them of the dog. Doug. Oh, <laughs> I used well, to. I literally was called Doug. There is, other than like one little scene in the little house where he meets the little girl when he's little, mm-hmm. there is virtually no talking until halfway through that movie. Yeah. There doesn't need to be, because they do such a good job of telling a story. Have you ever seen Wally? Yeah. They don't talk at all. Yeah. It's a robot, yeah. and then for and then you're like invested in a robot. Mm-hmm. Like how did what? Yeah. There's no talking. Yeah. So it's it's like if you do a good enough job with your camera and with planning and with storytelling, you don't need any talking. But I like. But I also love my favorite thing and what I feel like I'm the best at. I don't know if I say the best at. What I enjoy doing is I enjoy taking someone like Chuck, like Kip, like that that's really good on camera, that's going to say things that are funny and that are going to be able to be themselves on camera and taking that person and try and get it, getting the, the most mileage out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I take Chuck and his element bow fishing, and how can I make a bow fishing show that not only shoots a bunch of fish, but is funny, is over the top, 
has all the things, the camaraderie between him and John, the banner back and forth. How can I take – but what that takes to do that well is you, first of all, you have to know that person. Yeah. You have to have a relationship with that person. You have to have a trust with that person. And me and him have done so much stuff over the years that now I know how he operates. I know what makes him tick. I know that some of the best things I've ever gotten from him is putting him in situations that are all out of his comfort zone. Like one, some of the best lines he ever gave were when we did that golfing thing and that we won that golden moose for. Mm-hmm. It's just leaving the camera on him and putting him in the situation and letting him do his thing. And then being ready to capture those things when they happen. Well, it's that's crazy. what I enjoy the most. It's crazy how that works because I remember filming. Uh, I filmed Mark for four years, and you like I could in my headphones I could tell when he was about to talk. Like we'd be walking, and you know I got my headphones on. He's got a lap mic on. I would know exactly when he was about to turn around, and I knew if it was like he was turning around to tell me something hunting. Or if he's turning around to tell me something weird and funny. Mm-hmm. And so you get to that point, and that's how you capture those those things that are off the cuff that usually you never get. Yeah. Because you get to know somebody's habits and their mannerisms. Or like you said, I knew when to like say, hey, Mark, what just, what just happened? Or tell me about this thing. Or give me a line about that. Because I knew that in that moment he would be able to give me something funny or or uh, off the cuff, or otherwise, like, sometimes I would just go, Mark, say something weird. Yeah. And you'd get something weird, and it was awesome. Yeah. You know, but that took, you had to film him for four years, and then you get to kind of know all those mannerisms. Yeah. It's like the same thing. And there's there's such a value, there's such a value in spending time with a person, and I haven't done a good job with some of our other clients, is spending enough time to where, you can really figure them out. Mm-hmm. And there's some clients you're just not going to figure out. There's some we have now. I'm just not going to figure them out. Um, but you can, get, you can get in there to where, in the words of John Dudley, you're in the trust tree. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he just doesn't trust as many people because he's been through this. He's seen things that have happened in this industry, and there's bad things that happen. And he trusts us. And that's something that it takes a lot. I mean, I've worked with him for two years before that happened. It takes a lot to get there. And that's something my, my dad's my the kind of what I try and live my life by is what my dad said my whole life is it takes your entire life to build your character in one second to lose it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same thing with a client. You can work for them for 10 years and have the best trust in the world and you can lose it in one second by doing something stupid. And I, I found myself doing that a lot this year, just going with everyone for the first time. Like, hey. How do Ryer and Caleb usually do it? And I'll morph more that way to make you feel more comfortable. Or like Kip, I spent 26 days with Kip. First thing I said to Kip is tell me how you like doing things because you've done them longer and I want you to be more comfortable and be yourself versus yeah. you have to morph to how I do things because you can do our job so many ways, but he can they can only yeah. be themselves yeah. in so many ways. And making them comfortable, yeah, yeah. for sure. And, then, and when they don't know you or you go with somebody that you don't really know and they're not comfortable around you or, you know, and, and being able to be around somebody where they can be themselves and that you can be yourself around them, it just opens it up to just being able to be creative and say, hey, what do you think about this idea? What do you think about doing this? Whereas with a new client, like when I was first with Dudley, I would have never asked him to 
like do a recreate or something because I didn't know him. You know, now it's like, all right, let's not do that. That's stupid. You mm-hmm. know, Brian, same way. Like I can tell Brian, like he'll do something. I'm like, all right, that was terrible. Let's do that again. Yeah, I messed that up with Dudley. We're 40 yards from my buck, and I asked Dudley if he was ever going to knock an arrow the <laughs> first time I filmed him. He goes, really, dude? Do you <laughs> know who you're standing behind right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those deals to where knowing, knowing the person being comfortable, all, all that does is make your job easier, the content better. Um, well, I mean, it's something we don't talk about a lot, but this is as much a people-person game oh gosh, as, yeah. like, doing what we do. Now, if you want to sit in the office and edit, you maybe could get away with not being as much of a people-person. But if you're going to want to be in the field, producing, field-producing, filming, like, it's a, it's as much of a people-person game as anything else. Yeah, you spend a lot of time with them. And it's almost, a lot of time. almost easier for us because we have a base set of clients. But if you're straight freelance, mm-hmm. like, you could go, you could spend 50 days a year in the woods and not film the same person twice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you really get to know somebody when you spend 13, 14 hours a day in an antelope blind with them. Like, <laughs> me and Chuck have done, me and Dudley have done. Like, you, you, you spill some beans. You know, things <laughs> happen. You know, it's weird. Like the heat gets to you. Yeah, I mean, some of the stories between Chuck. You just, and, gets, you just get. There's a certain point of boredom that like, just you well, just reach. I and don't know. <laughs> I don't know who has more stories, hilarious stories. John Dudley or Chuck Belmore. Like those two dudes could go tit for tat. It's unbelievable the stories those guys have. And it's like, where? Like, I feel like every time I hear another story from them, I'm like. You know, I have not lived a full life. I got to get out more. These guys have lived a full <laughs> freaking life. I hear and that the, all almost. And the el- fact that they are still alive and not in jail or dead or in a ditch somewhere is amazing to me. See, I feel that when you tell all the stories that you have, and I'm going, I haven't done anything. Oh man, I've done dude, no I things. Feel like every time I have, hear another story from Chuck, or we'll be somewhere and somebody will reference something that. Something about Dudley. I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, he hasn't told you that story? I'm like, no. And I'm like, Dudley, tell me that story. He's like, oh, I haven't told you that one yet? And I'm like, god dang, man. It's like the craziest, like how he found out about 9-11. Have you ever heard that story? Yep. He was elk hunting. Told it on his podcast, he was on, yeah. yeah, he was, he told me, yeah, he told me this is the first ever elk hunt we went on 2018. Because we were there during September 11th. And uh, he's like, yeah, because we, we got to talking about it. And he's like, yeah, I was actually elk hunting. I'd he had killed a bull. He had killed one, and yeah. he had it. He had. He was in like a little rental car, basically. Yeah. And he had half the rack hanging out the window of the little rental car he had, and he was driving back to the airport and heard on the radio that like all the airports were closed and nine eleven had happened. So he called the rental place and was like. They're like, yeah, you can drive it from wherever you were to to Des Moines, but you have to have it back tonight by. 11 p.m., whatever, and he drove straight from, like, Montana to Des Moines in, like, yeah. a little, like, Ford Fiesta hatchback yeah. car. So, I mean, just, but, like, and, and Chuck, which most of his are R-rated, but it's like, I don't know, and, and but knowing those things and getting to, getting in that trust tree, I guess, and, you know, knowing what, what you can do, what you can get away with, what you can't get away with, um, it's 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 invaluable information, but you can't get it without spending an exorbitant amount of time with somebody. It's like all the quirks about eating that I have. It's because you spend a lot of time with me. 
Mm-hmm. If you didn't have, if you hadn't spent that time with me, you wouldn't know. Yeah. You know, um, and I, which I've talked to some people about this recently, you know, about what makes people tick, you know, like trying to figure somebody out. Like what, what really drives that person? What, what do they enjoy? What do they not enjoy? What makes them do a really good job? What makes them do this, do that, want to stay, want to go, want to, you know, all the things like that's a really tough thing to do for some people. And the only way you figure that out is to spend a ton of time with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I still sometimes when my wife says things, I'm like, do you like, have we not been together for like married for 10 years and together for 13? Like that, I would never say or do that. She says something the other day. What was it about some food? She's like, oh, you don't like that. I'm like, what? It's one of my favorite things. She's like, <laughs> How where dare have you I insult She's me. like, where have I been? I'm like, obviously not with me. Like, what is <laughs> happening? Can't remember what it was. But it's just, just like one of those things. Like, I know, I know what drives her crazy. She knows what drives me crazy. Thing that she does the most that drives me crazy the most. Let me tell you what it is. Drives me insane. You allowed? Yeah. You get in oh, trouble? she knows. Oh, she knows. As we'll <laughs> we'll be having a serious conversation. And she'll ask me like she'll ask me a question like, so what was that two hundred dollar charge for Amazon? What did you buy? And then I'll answer the question, and as soon as I answer the question, she just stares at me. She won't say anything. She'll just stare, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> and I want to punch her right in the mouth every time. <laughs> and I'm like, do not stare at me. Say what you were thinking. Quit staring. I'm thinking, and I just want to just punch her up. <laughs> oh God! But yeah, so that that drives me. It's like, what do you spend that money on? Just to stare, <laughs> man. I'm like, God dang! I want to knock your butt out so bad. But uh, I told I've told her many times. Like, yeah, if you would be a guy for five minutes, I'd beat the crap out of you. I would, man. Just so bad. <laughs> But I don't because you're not supposed to hit women. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. What were we talking about? <laughs> well, we were talking about figuring out what makes people tick. Oh, and I was talking about hitting my wife. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great for the podcast. Fantastic. Um, quality well, content. Quality content. So, well, we've been talking for an hour and 17 minutes. And we started talking about... 2020. Yeah. And then we derailed. Yeah, so we'll name this one 2021 off the rails. But uh, it should we one, talk? It was one of our better ones, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got to talk, about, talk your, about your, your idea. Go for it. So I've had this idea for a while um, because uh, we get a lot of questions about kind of 101 camera stuff. Like, how do I do this with a camera? What does that mean for a camera? Um, how do I achieve this, that, or the other? And so I thought it would be cool to really um, go through basically zero to hero uh, camera operation 101. Like what all of the buttons do, what all the functions are, what all of the things mean, and why you need to know how to do different things and what different controls, buttons, functions do for your image. Um, and I thought it would be cool to really break all of those down and do basically a 101 series that we could have and be able to send and be like, here is from literally just receiving your camera to being ready to take it out on a hunt or mm-hmm. being comfortable with it. 
kind of like a almost like a quote unquote school of knock concept, but with a camera. camera. Yeah, and it will probably I think I uh, uh, DSLR. Like I think uh, yeah. it should it'll be a DSLR based. I know that there's a lot of guys running camcorders, and um, I think anything on a DSLR you can translate to a camcorder uh, fairly easily. Uh, the only thing that I just thought about was with the School of Knock, there's like action steps that go with it. You know, like with the School of Knock, Dud goes through a certain thing and then there's like homework. I guess I didn't really think about if there's going to be homework. Yeah, we'll make them do homework. Yeah, we won't check it. <laughs> That's on you. If you want to be good, you can do your homework. And we won't check it. I'm not going to check the I'll check it if you send it, but I'm not, it's not going to be like a thing where we check all the homework. Yeah. Um, but I think, and we'll probably, and we're talking about it today. I was like, well, we could start today, but then Caleb uh, said that we're getting I'm that studio up. upstairs. So I think what we'll do is once that studio uh, gets, once that studio gets built and we get kind of our set figured out, um, We'll we'll start plugging away at those, and then they'll have a, well, a really thinking, nice video yeah. aspect to well, them as well. I was thinking well. we can get a TV for up there too, and almost have things displayed behind us on the TV. Like, if you wanted to show rule of thirds, you could almost like show rule of thirds. That's a good idea. Yeah, you know, we could have like visual aids in the live podcast too. That yeah. way, we can literally send podcast lives to people, and they can scrub through them, and maybe try and keep them to where they're twenty or thirty minutes long instead of an hour. And, 21 minutes like this one is yeah i think that the the goal will be to really have it more of like a lesson where it's we got an outline bullet points visual aids and it's it's really um well thought out beforehand so that we've got all the information and we get it out in a really concise manner so that way hopefully um for those of you guys who who need or want something like that, or maybe you just want to go through it and get a refresher. I mean, I know there's a lot of things on cameras that, like, I know what they do and how to use them, but, like, I don't know necessarily um, why or how or where the definitions come from. Or, like, there's a lot of, like, nitty-gritty details of things that I just have not ever picked up because all all of my learning has been pretty hands-on. Yeah. So I know, you know, those those few posts that I did a little while ago where I was breaking down all of the different camera functions. Like I actually learned a lot of, of interesting information from that too. So, I mean, it's even something where I'm going to try to make it so that even if you've been running camera for as long as, as long as I have, there's still something interesting in there for you. Um, and hopefully <laughs> it's something to where, uh, you can watch through that series and, uh, hopefully by the end of it, have a pretty good grasp on how to run a camera and what all the things do. Yeah, it, al- it almost could be a thing where if we do end up getting a couple FX6s where as we're going through the camera and trying to figure out how things lay out and how they operate and things, almost showing people things as we're learning them on that camera. Which, on that note, I have a drone for sale. <laughs> so Seamless plug. I can't get anyone to buy it on Instagram, so if you want it, Message me on Instagram because it's for sale and no one will buy it. So, but continue. Yeah, I no, think that's all. all. I, think I mean, that's all I got. I think in general, this year, Clay and I have talked about this, and Caleb and I have talked about this. We definitely want to start um, putting more uh, 
auxiliary auxiliary content out there on Instagram, YouTube. We've talked about TikTok. Uh, we're not a hundred percent sure what that looks like yet. Um, you know, whether that is uh, instructional videos, review videos, uh, you know, vlog stuff, vlog style stuff, um, you know, more instructional stuff, uh, more editing, this, that, and the other. But now especially, I know we said last year we we're going to do more of that, and I think it became kind of tough because of yeah, just uh, the schedule and everything. because of how much work both of us were trying to get done. But now that we got three of us and it doesn't take, you know, if we have to film something, two of us can break out and film it, and the other person is still yeah. and having a dedicated, working on client having stuff. Having a de- dedicated place where we just got to put a camera on a tripod and yeah. not have to set everything up. I mean, it takes us 30 minutes to set up this podcast. Yeah. Crap, yeah. and we do it every week. So. Well, we so, try and do it every week. So hopefully um, we're going to try to be pumping out more content for you guys. And that being said, um, it definitely helps us when – Y'all interact with the stuff and tell us like yeah. what you want. And if we make something that is cool and that you guys like, definitely tell us. Because if we put something out and nobody says anything about it, then we kind of are like, oh, well, I guess nobody liked that. So yeah. we're not going to do more of those. So if there is something that we put out and you guys are like, oh, man, I really like that, just make sure to let us know. And if there's something that um, you guys really want us to talk about or want to see or want to hear, I mean, DMs are always open, comments, everything. We want to be making this useful for you guys. Yeah, there's a couple guys out there that use our emails and DMs and everything all the time for questions and stuff. And it always seems like it's the same five or six guys that are always, like, trying to up the ante and try and learn. Like, if you're one of those people out there that are, like, scared to, like, you don't want to message us or whatever, it's your own fault. Um, Because there's, there's quite a few guys that ask us questions all the time, whether it's, People that Ryan and I or Clay have known that text us or email us or DM us. I mean, there's a thousand ways to get a hold of us. So, and yeah. we always respond. And if we don't, please ask again because something happened. But uh, because we we're really good at responding. But, yeah, and, uh, real, and I mean, don't be afraid to contact us. Yeah, I mean, I we're open books. I'm happy yeah. to share anything. I'm happy to answer any question and. <laughs> I mean, I know people say this, but I literally mean it. There is no stupid questions. There's no dumb questions. Nobody's going to be like. Unless it's related to bow hunting turkeys, and then it's pretty dumb. And apparently, Arnie Palmies. Yeah. but that's, There's a couple of dumb questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just a dumb thing that was said, and that, yeah, was, said on, by, that was said by Jared. And we, we know him, and I can, I'll look him in his eyes and tell him that. <laughs> that was a ridiculous thing to say. But. Yeah, guys, I mean, hit us up anytime. Yeah. With any questions. You got anything else? All right, we've been going an hour and a half. We'll roll this out. Peace.